When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook 'em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You had better. We'll get them up, get them going. It's Tuesday on Hook 'em Up with E and Rod B. That is right, our five-hour morning. Sports conversation begins right now. We appreciate you finding us. We have a lot to talk about, of course. Longhorns, two, uh, two games to go in the regular season. A win away from clinching a spot in the Big 12 championship game for the first time since 2018. We'll have to do without one of their best players, however. Jonathan Brooks obviously out for the year. We'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian lamenting the loss of his uh, top offensive weapon. Also, uh, what he liked about the win over TCU and didn't like about the win over TCU. And what needs to happen is the Longhorns head off into their final two games of the regular season. Still a lot to play for, a lot going on for the Longhorns. We'll dive into college football, including the fact that uh, Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan head coach, embattled head coach, says that his team should be America's team for what they're having to deal with, with the, uh, the outcry. We'll get into that coming up. College football, the Big 12, NFL. How about an ugly football game on Monday night? Football last night to wrap up Week 10. Buffalo Bills are the Keystone Cops. Can't get out of their own way. Uh, they tumble to 5-5. Five and five. We'll get you details, but Denver stunned them. Uh, good times in Dallas. Cowboys on a roll. Texans on a roll with C.J. Stroud. So plenty of NFL to kick around on a Tuesday morning. Got hoops. Got baseball news to get to as well. It's going to be a busy five hours. We'll jam-pack it with you, and we appreciate you finding us wherever you do. Could be on 101.9 FM, maybe on AM 1260, and, of course, streaming on the Horn app on your smart speaker and always at hornfm.com. Uh, still no cameras. We're working to rectify that to get you back on Twitch and get us back up on our YouTube channel just as soon as we can. On this Tuesday morning, uh, not as rainy today, which is a good thing, so, but still going to be cool and warming throughout the rest of this week. Looking beautiful this coming weekend and into the Thanksgiving week. So looking forward to that here on the 14th of February. But look who it is across the uh, the room. He is our shutdown corner from the 713 down at uh, DB High. Also from the 512, the DBU right here in Austin, Texas. A lifetime Longhorn, four years in the National Football League. Now 16 years doing great radio. Uh, locks it down five hours a day, five days a week for us here on Hook'em Up. Doing great radio for the last 16 years. Also, uh, Proud Papa, the football theorist. He is Black Stradamus. What's up, Rod Babers? Uh, what's up, brother? What uh, is up? Thanks for the intro. I appreciate it as always. And uh, thanks for the hospitality once here at the home studios again. And uh, as we always do before we start the festivities, I'd like to give a shout-out to those who serve our society built on the selflessness of service. So a shout-out to all those who are doing uh, God's work. Oh, any way you serve, we appreciate you, God, country, our community. We know it's an honor but also a burden. Uh, so each and every one of you want to make sure we uh, show you some love. Uh, the soldiers, the first responders, the teachers, the nurses, the waste management, uh, each and every one of you, we appreciate all you guys. We can't name all the professions and all the people, but we want you to know that we're thinking about you. Thirdly, thinking about you each and every a.m., each and every day as we get this thing rolling. It'll be a busy one. Uh, Roddle takes behind the burnt orange curtain doing the deep dive on Texas and uh, where they are, what is good, what needs to get better. Uh, for the Longhorns. going to be a busy one. Uh, Ames, Iowa, the trip. And as we said yesterday, the early forecast in Ames, Rod, is 
Better than it could be for mid-November mm-hmm. on the plains there. Uh, when that game hit the It'll schedule, you think for Iowa weather. Yeah, for Iowa. <laughs> uh, when that game, when the schedule came out, you're thinking, oh, geez, that could be a snow game. That could mm-hmm. be who knows what. But as we sit here this morning, temperatures, uh, you know, in the, the highs about 55 on Saturday, sunny. It's pretty moderate. Uh, which means it drops into the mm-hmm. you know, mid-40s during it's just a football game, football weather. Uh, inclement weather should not be a factor. But obviously replacing their top running back and cleaning up some of their issues are. Let's start with the headline. Get you caught up on the news of the morning. Uh, Top stories to get your Tuesday underway. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring you the top story. Start with college football. Seventh-ranked Horns have won nine of their first ten games in 2023 and are closing in on clinching a trip to the Big 12 championship game up there in Arlington in early December. At 6-1 and one in the conference, Longhorns a game up on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and this week's opponent, Iowa State, who are all 5-2 and two, win this week in Ames, would secure a spot for Texas in that championship game, but they'll have to do so without the services of the team's leading rusher. Jonathan Brooks suffered that torn ACL on his right knee in the midst of another great game on Saturday night. His, at his weekly Monday media availability yesterday, head coach Steve Sarkeesian lamented the loss of the team's top offensive weapon. Was confident, though, that freshman C.J. Baxter, along with Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, and Savion Redder, more than capable of stepping up and doing a great job. Also yesterday, Coach Sark said he was very happy with his team's focus and intensity for the first three quarters of Saturday's win in Fort Worth, but not pleased at all with their fourth quarter lapses on defense and the offense's inability to convert on a number of third and short opportunities. We were giving up chunk plays defensively. They were scoring quickly. uh, And then we didn't operate very good on special teams. We didn't punt the ball like we've been punting all year. Um, We didn't cover uh, on our punt unit like like we've accustomed to to covering. We get an uncharacteristic, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty uh, on the play that finishes out of bounds. So we did things out of character. And so um, we we have to do a better job of of keeping our mental intensity, our focus, and continuing to play the brand and style of football that got us that lead. Um, And so for a team that has been so good in the fourth quarter all year, for us to get outscored 20 to 3 in the fourth fourth quarter a I would say is out of character and B I would say is unacceptable all right Longhorns in Iowa State seven o'clock coming up Saturday night and a wild one in the NFL to wrap up week 10 Monday night football the visiting Denver Broncos caught a huge break from the Bills and pulled out an improbable 24-22 win in Buffalo despite a dreadfully sloppy night they included four turnovers the Bills actually led this game 22 to 21 with 155 to go in regulation Russell Wilson led the Broncos on a 57-yard drive on 10 plays and included a big 28-yard pass interference call on fourth down that set them up in field goal range. But their kicker, Will Lutz, pushed the game winner, the 41-yard game winner, wide right. Game was over. Bills were going to win. Not so fast. Flag is down. The undisciplined Bills had 12 men on the field. Lutz got a mulligan. And, of course, true from 36 yards. Denver's pulls out the win, improves to 4-5. and five. Buffalo falls to 5-5. Five and five. Week 11 kicks off on Thursday night with a good one. Cincinnati's at Baltimore. College Hoops, Rodney Terry and the Texas Longhorns coming in at number 19 in this week's AP Top 25 poll. They're off to a 2-0 start to the regular season. Easy wins over Incarnate Word and Delaware State this past Friday. Three other Big 12 teams also ranked, including Kansas. They're number one in the land. Houston is number seven. Baylor is, comes in at 15. Texas will host Rice. On Wednesday night at Moody Center, Vic Schaefer's Texas women also off to a 2-0 start. They're ranked 11th in the poll. They're going to be in action tonight at Moody Center hosting UT Arlington. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. 
Um, the Buffalo Bills, Ugh. I believe before the season started, we had this discussion, and I told you, I said, they're going to regress, man. It's coming. You told me. It's like it's, it's inevitable. And it, the stat I always go back to is, you know, in NFL history, I'm a trend and a history guy, right? The best indicator and predictor of future events and, you know, the future behavior, human behavior is past behavior, past events. Call it the five-year rule. No team in NFL history has started the same quarterback under the same head coach for more than five seasons and seen that duo win its first championship. It just don't happen. You have a window in the league. You miss your window. You might as well break that couple up and keep it moving. All right? If your head coach and your quarterback within a five-year window cannot win a championship together, break up that couple and, and start the new, start the next one because you're just wasting time. <laughs> you're just wasting time. Playing out the string. Yeah, because the NFL, it doesn't work that way. The way everything is set up, you got that, pretty much that five-year window is your window. And if your quarterback and your head coach can't do it then, you're probably overpaying for your quarterback by then on his second contract, all right? And you've probably exhausted a lot of your resources in regards to your salary cap at that point, too. Um, and so, I mean, now, now if and your head coach has proven not to be able to get yeah, it done. Like, look at Shano, right? Shano's changed quarterbacks. Right, his, his formula's changed. He's the same head coach, but what's changed? His formula. Yeah. Andy Reid was the same way. He's like, yeah, Alex Smith here, but let me get Patrick Mahomes. And then you change. So you've got to change one of those things. You've got to change the head coach or you've got to change the quarterback. You keep them both together for more than five years. And I told E earlier, I was like, yeah, they're, they're a good team, but they're going to regress. It's just it's a, it's a natural order of things in the NFL. And, uh, and, and look at them. They can't even get they, like said, they can't get out of their own way. They're a good team. They're in a position to win these games, but they're their own worst enemy. They oh, will continue think- to be. I mean, it's a great trend, and it's a good I mean, Like, you either change the coach or the quarterback. The Cowboys, you change one of them. Cowboys have changed coaches. Yeah, exactly. Right? You got to change on. one of them. Because <laughs> yeah. Jerry Jones knows that. Jerry Jones has been around long enough to know, I got to change one of these things, dude. We, we're getting stale. Well, and it also means if you're a Houston Texans fan, you got about a five year window. You got a five year window. It's on now. Domingo Ryan says, five year window, Stroud, baby. And yep. you've got uh, four or five years to, to, exactly to, try, to right. try to put yourself in a spot. Yeah. And, now, you can, um, if you knock it on the door, I'll give you another extra window. And that's what Buffalo's doing. Right, yeah. Buffalo was knocking on that door, and it was like, dude, do we really want to break this thing up when they're so close? Well, you, yeah, you probably should have. Because <laughs> well, now you're starting to regress, and now they're like, well, I think we got to get Sean McDermott out of here because you're definitely not getting rid of Josh Allen. Well, and you heard it. If you were listening to the show, previous stars on CBS Sports Radio, the poor Bills fan called in. 50 years a fan. Look like he's not like he's about to jump off a bridge somewhere. Oh, Let's hope he's not. But uh, because yeah, they, I think the Bills fans all know it's going to be the end of the uh, of the era there. They're yeah. just so. I mean, gosh, they they damn near won this game, but and they couldn't even do that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, think about it. They, they have 12 men on the field on a field goal attempt that goes wide right, and they get the 12th man. You don't know who the guy was, but there was a safety standing eight yards off the ball doing the same thing you and I were doing, just standing there, mm-hmm. and that's the penalty that loses you the football game. Like, that guy's just standing there. What are you doing? Like, he didn't do anything. Uh, that's the 12th guy. You could have counted players. Yeah. And <laughs> you yeah. could have done something. You're right. Uh, it's like, oh, man, that is brutal. And, of course, Josh, Josh Allen had two more turnovers, two more interceptions, one of them at the end of the half that was like a you know, junior high mistake. It's like Josh Hoover made the other night against the uh, yeah. uh, the Longhorns. It's You know, that's a freshman in college mistake. And this guy's an all-pro in the in the NFL. They had fumbles. They're running back, um, you know, Got a couple of fumbles, Dalvin, James Cook. Uh, you just, I mean, they're just sloppy. And Denver's not a good team. No. Uh, but, Jane, but, you know, I'll give yeah, Sean this. Payton's a, Sean Payton's a good coach. And I'll give this Sean Payton. That team that gave up 70 points to Miami and looked like they'd quit, mm-hmm. 
they've got them back because the defense is actually playing better. They're actually playing inspired. They're actually playing some hard football. And Russell Wilson's not not playing terrible this year. He's actually been pretty good quarterback. I think he was top ten in passer rating prior to this game. I got to go back and look at yeah. So I mean, they're four and five. And honestly, that's true. You know who the Buffalo Bills need? You know who the Bills need? They need Sean Payton. No, no, (laughs) serious. They need a quarterback. No, they need one of these made men that can that can maximize your quarterback talent. When they had Brian Dable there. Josh Allen was starting to improve, right? Yeah. Josh Allen was getting better. That's what it's about. We look at that. We got to give Mike McCarthy some credit. If you can maximize your quarterback, then your window expands, right? And your window is going to be extended. They need a. They honestly need Sean Payton. They need, a, they need that type of coach. Because when they lost, when they lost Brian Dabble, you'll admit we saw Josh Allen. He had that peak, and then now he regressed again. Yeah, he did. Well, and it's it's well said. They do need Sean Payton. And yeah. Sean Payton <laughs> is, is doing what he can with with uh, with Russell Wilson and uh, decent job. And we'll see. They're back to four and five. And their last two wins that came out of their bye week beat the Chiefs and now beat the Bills. So <laughs> they're getting better. <laughs> they're, they're getting, getting better, better week to week. That's what, that's what good coach does. Like, hey, we're getting better. We're getting Bills better. Are getting, Bills are getting worse. Uh, we'll talk Longhorns <laughs> coming up. Are they getting better or are they just hanging on at this point? Becomes the question for the Longhorns. <laughs> Uh, Cowboys seem to be getting better. They got to find a run game, and the Texans certainly are right in the thick of things. And Waddle seems getting better. Quarterback, quarterback, and, <laughs> quarterback's uh, playing really well. Playing really well, <laughs> uh, without a doubt. And Josh Allen did not really, and that's you know, um, for 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 the Bills. I mean, it was it was not just Josh Allen. The whole team is sloppy. Mm-hmm. The whole team is undisciplined, and that goes to your five year window. Um, you know, it's like they just have stopped listening to the they coach. They lose focus. Exactly. They, they just, it's the same message. Same message it's all stale. the time. Yeah, they just they, you gotta you gotta switch it up. Probably do, and that yeah. just means you're because look, the thing about the Bills, they got so close. I mean, the game that the the classic epic, oh, yeah. uh, divisional playoff game in Kansas City where they had the lead and all they had to do was stop Patrick Holmes for 17 seconds, and they're going to the Super Bowl. Might have won the Super Bowl that year. Mm. Josh Allen was playing. That's when Brian Dayball was their offensive coordinator. Yep. I mean, they were an eyelash. I mean, the, I mean, you and I grew up Houston Oilers fans, Rod. Oh. Bills fans know this there's just a I mean how do you not stop Patrick Holmes for 15 seconds 15 seconds you know that I remember doing the shows those days and it was people were so mad about the overtime rules right Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I'm like overtime rules why aren't you yelling at Leslie Flazier the defensive coordinator you couldn't stop him for 15 seconds 15 seconds you know screw the overtime rules your team is in the lead with 15 seconds to go and they have no timeouts. Like, what do you, like, how do you not uh, you figure des- that out? You don't deserve to win. That's horrible coaching yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and execution to try to get, to get to a Super Bowl. That's something the Oilers would have done, Rod, back mm-hmm. in the day. Right? Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember it all too well. Quit, quit blaming rules and just say get a stop for 15 get, seconds. Get a damn stop. Uh, and, yes, Patrick Mahomes is a magician, and they're, you know, he's one of the greatest, if not going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Still. But, uh, get a stop. But still, speaking of greatest uh, quarterbacks of all time, you know, obviously that distinction belongs to uh, to Tom Brady. The GOAT. And, man, it is. The, the further and further Tom Brady gets away from New England, the worse and worse it gets in New England. Uh, yeah. You know, I was. I agree with that. Uh, it, it is. It is so bad. Uh, they lost over the weekend in Germany. We, you know, the week before we exported a good product to Germany with Miami and Kansas City and Mahomes and, you know, that really good game, 21-14. This weekend we exported the Patriots and the Colts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so people that were trying to think about becoming fans are not like, nah, well, and, we're and, on the fence. They're not anymore. And I was listening to a conversation yesterday. It was actually was, uh, was on the Jim Rome show right here on the Horn. Hmm. I was driving out to a doctor's appointment, and uh, Jim Rome was talking to Tom Curran, who's covered the Patriots since before Belichick was there. And was asking him, where does this loss rank on the worst losses for Belichick? And oh, he's like, well, we're just stacking the worst losses. Yeah, the home shit, loss to the season. Saints. Yeah. 
the commanders right. lost at home the week previous. This loss, uh, and they're trying to figure out how they're they're. I mean, it, it, if you're a longtime Cowboys fan, it kind of sounds like you know the Tom Landry era coming to an end in Dallas. It's just you know Tom Landry was the the mm-hmm. coach of America's team, but it's gotten bad, Rod. Oh, great! It's gotten come really to bad, and yeah. I don't. You know, that, that's one of the stories because in that division with Buffalo, you got Miami as the favorites and the Jets are a mess. Uh, you know, Miami's going to end up walking to win that division. Buffalo, what do you do? What do you do with, with Bill Belichick and how much? I mean, Tom, the further Tom Brady is removed from that situation, the worse that organization appears. I think if you uh, Robert Kraft and you truly respect and love the man, just cut ties with him. He wants to keep coaching. Mutually, this mutually part yeah, ways. Yeah, if he wants to keep coaching and somebody covets him, then they can go get him and he can coach. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think uh, it's pretty obvious now that with Tom Brady <laughs> uh, removed from the Belichickian formula or the, the Patriot way, he is the – it was Tom Brady was the Patriot way. It was Tom Brady that provided the balance to the Patriot way. Now it's just Belichick's Patriot way, and it ain't the same. Or, or <laughs> you if, the you're, balance. if you're Robert Kraft, do you sit with you know, the GOAT, arguably, and say, look, okay, we're going to play our way into a high draft pick here. Uh, and, you know, as we've drawn the parallels with the Patriots and the Spurs, Greg Popovich now has Wemby, right? Now he's got a chance to do it again. He does. Greg Popovich, like he did with Tim Duncan. Uh, Do you give Bill Belichick that credit that, hey, we get a Drake May, we get a quarterback up in here that's not Mac Jones, who's clearly, you know, he's he's a shot pony at this point. Uh, What, Um, do you do hire Josh McDaniels back? Yeah, well, and that's where Robert Kraft, (laughs) the owner, would have to step in and say, look. I need you to hire an offensive coordinator that is competent enough that by bringing a a young quarterback, that they're going to be able to develop and groom him. And that if that that relationship can't work and Bill Bill Belichick is going to be, you know, stubborn about that, then you probably do have to mutually part ways. Or you give him a chance to – you know, because look, he's got that coaching record that's out there, and you know, which it's that's take not, a while I should say that. that coaching record. Yeah, it could take five more seasons. <laughs> exactly. And you can't put you <laughs> know an individual rate. accomplishment over the good of the the organization. No way. Uh, but you know, there's also the idea: who wants to follow Belichick? I mean, you, I've always thought you don't want to be the man that replaces the man. You want to be the guy that replaces that guy, because mm-hmm. um, somebody's going to have to. You have to go hire a good new coach and. You know, Belichick has been so in control. That's an interesting storyline. Obviously, there are top storylines with. Uh, uh, the top teams in the NFL, but in that division, the Bills are sinking. Uh, the the Patriots are a mess. And how do you figure out what you do with Bill Belichick? We'll take yeah, your thoughts the on Jets, that. The Jets uh, still are in uh, – if you look at it, they're still in playoff contention. Even though they lost Aaron Rodgers, they just keep on finding a way to squeak by potentially. Yeah, man. If they, uh, ever had, if they had a quarterback, they should have made a move to get a quarterback. They made a move to get a quarterback. They'd well, there's reports out of New York. Dab in the playoff hunt. Well, there's reports out of New York that they stuck with Zach Wilson despite in, instead of going after, you know, the likes of Carson Wentz who was on the street mm-hmm. and some other guys oh, yeah. maybe making a trade. They didn't do that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson. They continue to back Zach Wilson. And at do. some point, you end up losing your own locker room doing That's that. That's what I'm right? saying. I'm like, I, at this point, it's pretty obvious and clear, even to Zach Wilson himself, that he that he is holding that team back. He's more of a liability than an asset. And you're, you could make the playoffs. In the AFC, by the way, which is <laughs> tough to be a playoff team, they, had, they got a shot if they had gotten a quarterback. I don't think they have a shot now. It's an outside shot. Um, but I don't know why they didn't make that move. That look at what Josh Dobbs is doing. Josh, oh, my gosh. That's this is a great point. Look at, look at what he's doing with that Minnesota team right now. They're in it. They are in it right there's, now. 
because they made a move. Six and four, and then just right on the heels of the Lions now. Why, why wouldn't you make a move if you're the Jets? I don't understand. Did they think Aaron, maybe they thought Aaron Rodgers was actually coming back? Well, they said so Aaron Rodgers told Melissa Stark Sunday night, mid December, but by then it's too late. By then it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. I mean, I don't get that, man. Uh, I don't get that. That's a dang coaching mistake by the organization. Dang organizational had, mistake. Uh, they were. They said they were a quarterback away, and I, I think everybody agreed that quarterback went down. Go get another quarterback. And the fourth play of the season. Uh, plenty you of time. plenty of time. And by the way, Rod, in the NFL, to my um, my and your agreement that the NFL trade deadline should move back. This week is the trade deadline in our, in our fantasy football league, Rod. This oh, is the week. Oh, got to make a move. Well, might be too late for me, but ah. four and six. But either way, I got point of that is, you know, in fantasy football, we, we're all the way in November. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't the trade deadline, if it were today or tomorrow, be better? Oh, um, which be we, we've agreed because you know, a guy like Ryan Tannehill could be available no to the question. Jets. Uh, you know, there are, guys, there are teams now that are further away than they thought. Maybe Mac Jones is available. Who? Which, which, Mac Jones. Well, I mean, if, if you're a team and you're trying to take a flyer on a – you know, because that's what makes the baseball trade deadline a lot of fun if you're a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. It's not only are you trying to get, acquire guys to win now, you can acquire a prospect. You can acquire someone for the future. Yep. Uh, that you don't have to get on the open market and in free agency and you don't have to wait till March to get them. You know, if you're a team that's, you know, looking for – you know, the Cowboys did the Trey Lance deal before the season, and that's for the future. That's not so for the now. Yep. Some of the stuff could be for now, but most of it's for the long haul, uh, long-term move, uh, make the move, get a, a high prospect that you like a lot uh, for a fourth-round pick. Uh, that could go down right now. You could be having teams that are looking to go young at a position that will mm-hmm. trade a veteran, that will move some guys, but uh, as we've said, you know, to have it in late October, uh, right yeah. in the middle of the season, just gives teams that are – because now there's more clarity of who's in this thing and who's, who's buyers, not. Who are the buyers and sellers? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you, you certainly would have teams like the Patriots, the uh, potentially the you know the, the even the Bills now. Maybe the Bills start looking at this thing and thinking, well, they're not going to do that because they're five and five. But yeah. no, um, they're still in it. But but yeah. just I just saw my 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 new my alert that said the, the week. My trade deadline in my fantasy oh. football league is 16 hours away. Make oh, a move. Like making some research. Doing uh, some research, man. Making some move. Are oh, you going to make a move? I doubt it. <laughs> I got to look. <laughs> I just need my players to play better, Rod. You sound like coach. You sound, you sound like a real coach. I just need my players to play better. We got the squad. They just got to play better. It's like Sark. I thought Sark was Well, it's only Pollard's letting you down. Oh, uh, the truth is, Tony Pollard is probably your right. Oh, he's soul crushing. Yeah, because <laughs> you drafted him so my high, and it's not only you drafted him so high, but he's giving he's you my first nothing. Pick. Nothing. He was, we had the we had the in a twelve team league. We had the twelfth pick, and we took because in oh, that man. snake you get twelve and thirteen. Yeah, we took Tony Pollard and Austin Eckler. Thinking Ooh. we'd have two good running backs. And Eckler's been great, but he missed a month with he an injury. Time, yeah. And then Pollard's been a dud. Pollard's been a dud. I mean, he still had most consecutive touches currently of any offensive skill player in the NFL without a touchdown. I right mean, now. I got Tua. I got Waddle. Crazy. I got I got good play. Hawkinson at tight end. Just his Tony Pollard anchor. Tony. It's killing me. That is killer. All right. So, uh, yeah, not to talk fantasy football. Nothing more boring than someone else's fantasy football team. But that's just an <laughs> yeah, idea. Nothing more trade, interesting than yours. The trade, <laughs> the trade deadline. Uh, boy, it would be cool if the NFL's trade deadline was this week or next. I think there'd be a, lot, I think there'd be a ton of movement. I really do. Yeah, uh, just based on the more clarity where these teams are now uh, after you know 10 weeks of football versus seven or eight. Oh, no question. And uh, coming up this week. By the way, I mentioned in the headlines, the Thursday game, we've had some dud Thursday games. We can start looking forward to the uh, NFL week. Bills, excuse me, Baltimore hosting Cincinnati is our Thursday night game with wow. Joe Burrow That's fresh off of uh, getting outdueled by, by C.J. Stroud and yeah. uh, that last second win. And, of course, the Ravens are going to be smart because they had a 24 to 6 lead or 24 to 9 lead on the, the Browns at home and lost that game. Lost that game to the Browns 33 31. So that's a good way to start it. All right, Longhorns, we'll get into speaking of coaches who like their team but need to play a little bit better. You heard Sark in the headlines talking about the, uh, the fourth quarter 
uh, mental intensity that dropped, and uh, we'll, we'll debate that, how much of that was Sark's, some would say Mark Sark's play calling took the foot off the brake, but uh, foot off the gas, I should say, and put the brake on. We'll talk about that behind the burnt orange curtain. Steve Sarkeesian addressing the Jonathan Brooks injury, addressing his running back room now. Uh, two more games in the regular season. That's all coming. It's a busy mo- uh, Tuesday here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Tuesday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Somebody mentioned on the text line, Jimmy Johnson did okay following Tom Landry. That's true. Talk about the, uh, what's yeah. going to be the end of Bill Belichick in New England after that uh, dynastic run with Tom Brady and all the championships. Ten trips to the Super Bowl, seven wins, but... Uh, they're a bad football the team. I, believe, I agree with your theory, though. There are exceptions to that, but for the most part, you don't want to follow a legend. It's tough. It's really hard. Yeah, it is. Uh, expectations are just uh, a little not, you know, unrealistic. And let's also Eagles. say to the to the as you're big on trends in history, uh, Jimmy Johnson was an outlier. I mean, he I mean he he's an elite coach. In a ton of ways, yeah. In a ton <laughs> exactly, of ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he defied a lot of uh, yeah. norms with his success, and then champion of course, at every level. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. and. Uh, you know, as much as we talk about Jimmy Johnson's inability to get along with him and how long that could have gone, Jimmy Johnson's on the record saying he, he's a burnout coach. I mean, he, he can only go about five years at a time. Because he he's so committed to he's it. so intense. Yeah, it's just he's either going to burn out or he's going to burn everything down around him. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you're right. I totally agree with that. At least he knows it. And he at least was, he's honest about it. And uh, how he's not in the Cowboys' ring of honor, let's not you know, bring up that touchy oh, subject, on, but Jerry. that should have been done doing? long ago. What are you doing, Jerry? Yeah, what are you doing, Jerry? Come well, on, that's, uh, that's, that's where Jimmy Johnson <laughs> is. But, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, of course, you know, when Bill Belichick does part ways in New England, however that happens, uh, it'll be a huge, huge story because he's one of the greatest in any American team sport uh, to lead a franchise. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy was a – he was a different dude, man. That dude, yeah, he when he got to Miami and then and the, in college football, he was a champion, taking over for Howard Schnellenberger in the 80s. Uh, got the Cowboys and Herschel Walker trade, builds that Cowboys team oh, into yeah. a dynasty that could have kept going until he and Jimmy Pride. parted ways. Pride parted got in the way for both of them. Uh, yeah. But we know where that's at. Uh, so we'll talk plenty of uh, – NFL football. I will say one thing that J- Jimmy had a, obviously Jimmy had a lot of advantages because he was ahead of his time. He was a pioneer, a trailblazer uh, in so many ways. But it still remains true that if you are making that leap from the college game to the pro game, there is like a two or three year advantage you have in terms of personnel acquisition and personnel evaluation because you know more of the college football talent that's going to be NFL caliber talent, all the blue chips, you know more of them and more about them than the NFL scouts do because you literally have been recruiting them 
from their high school days. Yep. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and, you, intimate knowledge. So, of those yes, players. you know, you know, mom and daddy, right? Uh, and and Jimmy Jimmy talked about that later on. He's like, oh, it was a huge advantage coming out. I I knew a lot of the players intimately in terms of because we were recruiting them or had recruited them and and missed out on them or I had new coaches that had recruited them. He said through degrees of separation, I through like two years, I just knew a ton about the personnel that was coming out, which is why they were hitting on draft picks. Their hit rate was higher than other teams, not only because Jimmy was great at developing talent, but because he had some inside knowledge sure. <laughs> on those prospects. And the same thing is true. Jim, Jim, uh, players like Jim Harbaugh did it, and Jim Harbaugh's going to have it again. Right. Well, <laughs> he goes, Pete Carroll had it. When he came out, that was part of their advantage early on, right? Look about those Seattle Seahawks teams and how many draft picks they hit on late picks. It's like, damn, fifth and sixth round picks becoming starters for you? Richard Sherman. Yeah, exactly, right? Being that, one that just jumped into my mind. Huge advantage for those coaches. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I yeah. mean, no, they traded for Marshawn. But either way, yeah, and that's why the Herschel Walker trade was so big because it gave them so many draft picks and they, that, and that had, Jerry yeah. could go hit on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Jimmy exactly. could go hit on, right? I mean, that no was that, uh, Oh, Jerry, Jerry wishes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, but you're right. That's a great point, though. Yeah, and that it is. And, and that, that, that all comes up because it looks like Belichick's time may be coming to an end, but also the idea that uh, the coaching carousel has turned on and it's going warp speed already. Aggie started it. Good for Aggie you. started it uh, with the Jimbo Fisher move, and now you know, every coach in America is being asked. Dan Lanning, we'll hear it coming up. Dan Lanning, Jeff Trailer, all the coaches that are hot names are being asked about uh, – a potential move, and of course they have to lie and say I'm not even interested, and all that goes on. Plus Jim Harbaugh, I love Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yesterday, saying that uh, Michigan should be America's team, has to be America's team amid the uh, the persecution that they're facing for their own program cheating. I guess I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, having to win without their leader. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh did say he'll be in the court courtroom on Friday uh, for the uh, the temporary restraining order hearing. He will speak. And uh, so we'll see. But you, I think a lot of people think Jim, that Jim Harbaugh will coach this season out and probably off to the NFL. But yes. uh, we'll see. So that domino. And that's what happens, right? When the dominoes start falling, it's musical chairs. Somebody's got to fill a spot. Moves. Fill a spot. Fill yep. a spot. got to start making and moves. And so things start really moving quick. And Mississippi State fired their, their head coach mm-hmm. uh, yesterday after 10 months on the job. Uh, they want to upgrade. They want to upgrade. They like the coaching car- It's smart. The yep. coaching carousel is starting. Well, the, and let's, let's, the recruiting you know, window is now. <laughs> that's sure. sooner. Heard a lot of criticism of that at Mississippi State. The guy only got 10 months. But, of course, he replaced Mike Leach, who passed away. Yes. And it was just, okay, he, we need a coach for our bowl game and yeah. for the offseason. And they were behind the cycle. And it was just a tragedy. Everybody's mourning the loss of the head football coach who the program was built around. Um, they should have kept him as an interim then. They shouldn't have yeah, named Zach him Arnett head coach. So that's fair. And, and one other note on the Jimbo Fisher thing. Going and then, to, probably going to Dion, honestly. Or somebody. They probably will try. I well, mean, and that's because of the Mississippi well, the con- connection, you know, from Jackson State. If after 10 months you know Zach Arnett's not the guy, now you want to get in the pipeline to, to mm. be, a, be a part of this because yeah. coaches are going to come available. Yep. Good young coaches potentially uh, for a place like Mississippi State or even bigger names, as you mentioned. Uh, so we'll follow the, uh, the dominoes. I would say that uh, there was a lot of t- talk yesterday on radio that, you know, the, the, the A&M boosters are paying this $78 million. Mm. Look, the money, the, the, the boosters are paying $20 bucks essentially, is what's been raised. There's a $19 million payment due by Jan 1. That's what they're going to pay. And then uh, Ross Bjork, the AD, said clearly we're gonna, the, the athletic department will now take a $7 million hit for the next eight years. We're going to take a loss. Mm-hmm. And that loss is the Jimbo Fisher Fund. Yeah. So, again, I, they're not, the boosters are not paying all $78 million, even as gross as that whole thing is and how much ridiculous amounts of money that is. And, uh, you know, shame on the Aggies for – 
getting themselves committed into a contract like that. <laughs> but it's not it's not a you know a billionaire paying eighty million dollars to pay this thing out. It's twenty million from the boosters that they've raised, and then it's a seven it's, million dollar recurring. It's multiple payment. sugar daddies and sugar mamas contributing. Yes. not just one sugar daddy. Well, they got lots of them too. Well, <laughs> and, and Ross Bjork, whether that's going to come from donors or not, but he says they're going to take an athletic department loss. Yeah. every year well, now. They, I mean, think, I mean, how can you not? Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to cover of... the seven million dollars a year payment to Jimbo Fisher. Well, and then there's the payout to the staff. And oh, then you yeah. got to pay out to a new coach. You're going to give oh, them yeah. some blockbuster deal just to, depending on who you bring in, how oh, splashed the hire is, is going to be huge. Yeah, that's just a, that's a lot of money. Well, so, that, and they got to get it right. So if you, you're talking about this much money at stake between the losses you're going to take with Jimbo Fisher and hiring a new coach, you got to get it right, Aggies. You got to get it right. You can't screw this one up. Yeah, it'll be disastrous. With, with the state of college football where it's at, you oh, will, yeah, you it will be it. crippling. Right? Yes. Not like they're already not in a crippled state at some level as far as the program because they're oh, not they, very they good. Can recover from that. Yeah, that's fine. Texas, yeah, you get the right coach here. Yeah, you're you fine. Get, exactly. You Texas, get Texas right shows you that. You get the right coach, you can recover from all that. Just, but you got to get the right coach. You can't be hiring, you know. And the thing about Jimbo Fisher, the extension was probably obviously the worst decision, but they are basically kind of the the Browns of college football. And I'm not talking about just the Browns as a dreadful organization, but but the Browns did with that Deshaun Watson contract made every NFL team. Um, a, a, a enemy of the Browns in a sense, or at least a critic of the Browns because it forced their hand and set a dangerous precedent. Now, the NFL ignored the precedent and decided, you know what? The Browns are so inept, your decision will not affect the quarterback market. We're going to ignore precedent for the first time in uh, in, in the recent salary cap era with the quarterback. We're not going to collude on this, but we're not going to We're not, not going to. They basically <laughs> just didn't respect it. They was like, you know what? We don't acknowledge it. I don't know how the agents didn't force their hand, but they didn't. And the Aggies are the same way with that Jimbo Fisher contract. Nobody's no, – they're going to – college football, for the most part, is going to ignore that contract. Agreed. And act like it never happened. And well, it's not going to set a precedent. Well, I'm sure every school president went to the AD and said, hey, don't get us locked into a contract. Don't do like it. That, please. <laughs> don't yeah. even think about it. Right. <laughs> I don't care how good our coach is. Yeah, we're, gonna get we're not getting locked into that deal. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. Steve Sarkeesian met the media yesterday. Longhorns are 9-1 and one for the first time since, since 2009 as a program. Uh, two wins away from – or one win away from locking up a spot in the Big 12 title game. Let's hear from uh, Coach Sark – or let's go behind the burn orange curtain and – Talk about what Coach Sark had to say yesterday. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, Sark met with the media yesterday, and he spoke about a number of different uh, topics, and we'll try to get to as much of these uh, Sark audio as we can. Um, but, of course, he was talking about the Iowa State Cyclones, their upcoming opponent. They have to go uh, on the road, true road game for the Longhorns. Haven't had many of those outside the state of Texas, only one, actually. Um, that was Alabama, and the Longhorns won that one. Uh, let's talk about the Iowa State Cyclones. Here from Steve Sarkeesian talking about the Longhorns' uh, upcoming contest this weekend. Uh, like we've been saying all along, as far as this week's ball game, this is another Big 12 championship game for us. Um, we've been, you know, we, we put ourselves in this position over a month ago, and we've we've uh, accepted the challenge, and I think our guys have responded to that. Um, we understand we're gonna we're gonna go into another hostile environment, you know, Saturday night. Um, and it's going to take it's going to take all 70 players that we bring in coaches, you know, to play as one 
uh, and to uh, to go play a good football team who has gotten better as the year has gone on. Uh, obviously, a very well coached team. Um, you know, these guys do a great job of taking care of the ball on offense, creating turnovers on defense. I think they have 15 interceptions on the year, so the ball uh, is going to play a big factor in this game. We, we, it's got we've got to find a way to get it off of them. We got to take care of it on our end, uh, and then we need to be efficient offensively um, with the number of possessions that could come out of this game. So, uh, a lot of work to do. Uh, on a Monday, but uh, again, a lot of respect for Iowa State, and um, we know it's going to take uh, it's going to take a great effort from us to to try to come get a win. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Iowa State's going to give you give Texas everything they can handle, and this team has shown the last few weeks that they uh, have they they have a tendency to have a lapse and have kind of lulls in the second half and, and they allow teams to get back in game. So whether Iowa State's going to be in this game all throughout it or they're going to be down double digits and have to come back, I think we can expect a fourth quarter game. Um, and Texas has been really good in winning these fourth quarter games. Speaking of four quarters, not the fourth quarter, um, Sark was asked, and I think this, I believe if I'm not mistaken, it is uh, my man, I think it's Anwar who asked a question about uh, the four quarters. Um, but basically, Sark was asked about why doesn't this team play a complete game for four four quarters of football, and when was the last time he was satisfied with this team playing, you know, four full quarters of football? <laughs> I thought the response was interesting from Sark. Here it is. I don't know. Um... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on how we're going to improve. And I, I don't know if I'm ever satisfied. I mean, I don't know. I've never met a coach who was satisfied after a game. There's always room to improve. And so, you know, to, to think we're going to go play a perfect game Saturday night, probably not going to happen. But I'm going to keep pushing our guys and be demanding of them to, to, to improve. And I'm going to be demanding of our coaches to improve. Um, you know, there's no time for us to sit back and accept it, you know. And so I, I don't know um, when, the, when exactly that last time was that there's never been a game where I've gone in on a Monday morning and didn't have corrections to make and so um, that's the challenge you know every 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 week there's there's different things where areas for where we can improve as a team and uh, that this week that is of the utmost importance for us uh, strikes me definitely uh, frustration in his tone sure I don't, I don't know. sure I think, right. I think you are yeah exactly yeah <laughs> he's like I don't know I, you know it goes back to what I said about three weeks ago e I think they, I think he's accepted it now too. Unfortunately, and I think that's what that frustration was. It's like they are who they are. But I do think, as we've talked we're about, we're gonna try you, to prove. You told Longhorn fans to just accept it. I think Sark has has been expecting them. Okay, guys, I'm, I'm going to cover for take you. Take the on next this. step. I'll, I'll take <laughs> yeah. it. You know where we're. But now we got to play four quarters, and he knows it's going to beat him at some point. It may be this he week. Knows. It may be the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah. But the inability to avoid those lulls. And I played the cut in the headlines, Rod, where he was you know, said it's unacceptable, and he cited. Three different things in the fourth quarter. Their mental intensity focus. They weren't as aggressive on defense. And at some level kind of cited Pete Kwiatkowski just on the calls. Where yeah. we're calling the defense is tight. Did we lay back? Because, you know, deep, you know you're, we're playing the lead rod. You don't want to give up a big play. But instead they were giving up chunk plays. Because they were yeah. giving up short plays and turning right. up big plays because they weren't tackling people. And then he cited the fact you know, Sark wants to be able to pound the rock in, in third and two and three when, they, when the, team, the opposing team knows we're running. And Texas couldn't convert first downs, and yep. keep the chains moving just on the ground. Remember they did that at Alabama to close out that game yep. where they were able to oh, run for man. first downs, and they weren't able to do that. Longhorn fans were frustrated because he was being conservative. Sark was challenging his team. Hey, we, we should let's be able be to get physical. third and two here. Yeah, let's close it out. You're right. Make Put a block. The coffin. And let's be honest, I think we're getting to the point where Texas guard to guard 
you know, I think they're good at tackle, Rod, but I think guard to guard they struggle Great to get pushed. Uh, yeah. And that's why, I mean, if you, I know you'll do the analytics, but their, their numbers to the outside in that game were pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the numbers between the tackles were not good, and that's what they were trying to do in that fourth, third, in that fourth quarter. Um, speaking of closing out games, Sark was asked about closing out games. It's a great point you just brought up there. Um, and here's Sark, and this is part of the cut you played early, I believe. Here's Sark talking about the inability for Texas to close out games lately and how they need to get that uh, killer instinct. Yeah, well, I think they're different. You know, you go the Kansas State game, how did they get back in the game? We gave them the ball inside our own 20-yard line twice, right? I mean, and, and we got a pump block. And so we gave them a short field. They were able to score quickly. This game, they were getting play yards in chunks, and they were able to get down the field and score. Um, but, but how do you get back into a game when you're behind by 20 points? You get quick scores. And so we have to minimize their ability to score quickly on defense but yet still remain aggressive. We can't let people get comfortable. And I think that we let them get comfortable. On the flip side, offensively, A, we have to possess the ball. And how do you possess it? One, you don't turn it over. Two, you extend drives on third down. And and turnovers, two weeks ago, not converting third downs the other night. Third and makeables, third one, two, and threes. I mean, that that's what you ask for as a coach. And to go two for eight in those scenarios, uh, that's not good enough. We need to have a better plan, and then we need to execute the plan better. Uh, two things about that, and he, he's right. Since, I've been tracking it since the U of H game's last four games. He's talking about these chunk yardage plays. Uh, if you look at just inside cuts, inside breaking routes of any kind, teams the last four games averaging over 12 yards per attempt. When they, when they target an inside breaking route, those are your chunk yardage plays, explosive play rates of over or close to 30%. Uh, same thing when they target bunch formation, cluster groups of receivers. You guys heard me talking about this. Last four games, uh, teams um, averaging over damn near 12 yards per attempt, over 11 yards per attempt uh, when they're targeting bunch formation. These are the chunk plays he's talking about. It's fine if teams are getting yardage, but it'd be better if they had to put together double-digit drives that lasted more than two and a half minutes. Shout out to my man Nash at Nash Talks Texas. He had this stat. Since the Oklahoma game, Texas has allowed 14 touchdowns, 10 of those drives were less than two and a half minutes of game clock. It's going fast. That's how they get back in the game. You're only like, oh, Texas still has a double-digit lead going to the fourth. They're going to be fine. Well, if Texas can't get first downs, and then they're getting, you know, uh, chunk yardage, explosive plays, and they're getting down the field in two and a half minutes and able to score, that's a, that formula right there is, gonna, is blowing up in Texas's face. Yeah, they're so polar, man. As far as the team, they go from so dominant to – what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> they do. They go from wow to what the yeah. really quickly. Real bad. And they have it's, – it's, it's, it's the best of times and the worst of times in the same game. That's the crazy part about it. It's like, how's this happening in the same game? You think they have one game which is a bad game by them? They don't. They have great, spectacular stretches in the games, but they also in that same game, just like the yin the yang, they're guaranteed to also have a lapse and a lull for, I don't know, a few minutes in the game, and that often costs them, or at least it hasn't cost them yet, but it, it allows teams to, to, to get hope and breathe life into opposing teams. Uh, good stuff behind the BOC. We're talking coaching carousel, which is up and running with Jimbo Fisher's departure. In the next hour, we'll get a rant from Rod. We'll also hear from Dan Lanning and Jeff Trailer. Some of the top candidates were asked yesterday about the job. We'll let you hear what they had to say. Uh, but coming next, it's our What the Fact segment, including uh, today is an anniversary of one of the greatest uh, sports TV programs of all time, Rod. Get all your details time. on that. Also, the Jimbo Fisher payout and what the uh, facts are behind the contract. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. 
Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Tuesday on The Horn, Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Time for some What the Facts, including here is the uh, scheduled payouts for your guy Jimbo Fisher, our guy Jimbo oh, Fisher. man. They owe him $19.4 million according to his contract within 60 days of this past Sunday when he was pink slipped. He's owed another $7.27 million in the next 120 days. That's beautiful. So he's going to get um, you know, north of $26 million in the next uh, 120 days, three months. And then uh, every year uh, from 25 through 31, he's owed $7.27 million. Thank you very wow. much. Wow. Thank you very much. Damn. Good for you, Jimbo. Just go enjoy it, brother. Enjoy it. That's the American dream, isn't it? To get fired and still... Have that kind of and cash by the way, coming to you? The contract is so bad. He can go take another job, and it doesn't defer any of it. Like, they owe it to him. He can go take a job wherever, and they can pay him whatever, and it doesn't offset at all. A lot of times, they'll, a lot of times they'll put contract offsets yeah. in that if you get a new no. job, it's going to defer some. No. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, man. Talk about a bad deal. I, I just, did they negotiate at all, or they just caved on everything that the agent wanted for Jimbo? That's amazing. It's an all-time bad contract. It's an all-time bad. Well, good for Jimbo, but all-time bad for the uh, the administration for the program. All right, what the facts? I got some for you here. Uh, these are some betting facts. This was this is actually prior to. Actually, take it back. This is this is uh, based on last night too. So this comes in. Night game unders now twenty-five and seven this season. <laughs> unders have hit in eleven straight night games, including fifteen of the last sixteen. Night unders are 65 and 29 now since the start of last season. And Monday night football unders, oh, how sweet it is. 11 and 1 this year. Did they hit the under last night? Uh, yeah. 24 so. 22 final. 56 28 and 1 since 2019. Dang. I hope you're making money just, on it. Because yeah. like, it's one of those things you keep, we keep saying it, and people are like, well, I'm not, I'm not, it's going to stop at some point. I'm not going to, I'll be the guy that gets in on it and keeps losing. No, take no, it. Because NFL scoring's down. NFL scoring is down to his. Lowest number since. Oh, I'll get that for you. But it's. I want to say it's been like 20-something years since the scoring has been this low hey, per team. Hey, Rod, and what the facts? You know what yesterday was? Yesterday. Ooh, you, well, that's a broad it? question. No, that, for yesterday. <laughs> Monday? Yesterday was the 30th anniversary of the first ever ESPN College Game Day broadcast on campus. Oh, nice. You know where that was? And what the facts? Oh, that's a great question. That's a nice little – I have no idea. That's a nice November 13th, 1993, South Bend, Indiana, Notre Dame, Florida State. Notre Dame, Florida State. That was the first ESPN college game. What year was that? 1993. 1993. Oh, yeah. I was a that's uh, sexy. sophomore, right. junior in college. Right. Yeah, I'm a teenager then. Yeah, man. man. That was a, that's a sexy matchup. That was. That was. It University back then. My – uh, my best friend in high school went to Notre Dame and played uh, football, and I ended up going to Texas. But one of my five schools was Florida State. Man, I was almost, man, I was almost a Florida State Seminole. The pictures are hilarious with mm-hmm. uh, Chris Fowler and Lee Corso, Craig James, Craig, Craig. James, and the Dead <laughs> Hookers. Man, he was on. He was on the. <laughs> you know who the you somebody know, somebody's listening right now who's younger is like, what did he oh, say? Dead? And they got to Google it. Don't down. look it up. Gotta, don't look it up. They got to Google it. Like, what did he say? Do you know who the on-site <laughs> reporter was for the very first road show of College Game Day? No, Pam Oliver. Oh wow. Man. A young Pam Oliver. A young Pam Oliver. So can I ask you this, and we'll put it out there for the folks the rest of the way on the text line, 512-447-3776. Is, is ESPN's College Game Day the greatest sports analysis show ever? 
Where, do, where does oh, it rank for you? Oh, as far you know as all-time what? TV programs that covers for me, it ain't. It's oh, you talking about? Okay, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about pre-games? Like, so what is this supposed to be? You're talking about because inside you talking about sports because inside the NBA, for I teams. think it's a broad conversation. If it's, but it's you know where does it rank in the pantheon of great sports analysis shows? Sports live, you know, live TV, you know, pre-game shows. TNT inside the NBA is pretty good. Yeah, the Barkley Shack, uh, yeah, Eddie man, Johnson, that's, that's Kenny pretty the Jet good. thing. You didn't got to like basketball to just watch that show and enjoy it. <laughs> I think it arguably made the college game days the biggest and the best. Now, you can I, argue that. I will say, as is doing what I do as long as I have Rod, I've never been. I got to see college game day because typically on Saturdays I'm working. Yeah, typically I'm up and we're doing that, a pregame. That's show. why I can't appreciate it because I played and when I'm playing I can't watch it, and then when I'm working right. like this I can't watch. So I haven't been able to appreciate it really. I've only been like ten years of my life where I can watch. Yeah, it. I know people. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people, and probably a lot of listening, and that, yeah. that, that you know it's on religiously at 8 a.m. every Saturday morning. Exactly. And you it's know, just they, background. They turn it on it's automatically. Yeah. For me, whatever reason, it's not. It's because like, I'm sure you watch it, but usually we're busy on Saturdays. And, I'm doing prep or something. Yeah, like we're, that. we're yeah. getting ready for the game. We're doing our own pregame. <laughs> show that yeah. time of day totally agree uh but so we'll ask you that that's that's a good nostalgia no, you're thing. right about that 30 I, years ago yesterday was the uh, first one and man. south bend i'm sure that, i mean the nfl see the nfl changes up so much though they never had nothing has really staying power like that in the league they no, switch it, it up because because you know contracts always change and somebody some other networks buy it up and they put new talent on there so the nfl i don't know if they have that just because i used to love uh inside the nfl Oh, I, mean, I love that show too. And it's, I don't know if you put that in the group. I, oh, in terms of analysis and breakdown, oh, love it. That's like football play. Well, I, I mean, I remember as a kid, kid, oh. CBS had the NFL Today, right, with Brent Musburger. Oh yeah, Jimmy right, the Greek. That could be considered on Irv Cross. <laughs> See, that probably had more stand power than that they have these days. Right? Well, college game days become its own brand, right? It doesn't exactly. matter who, who it was. Chris Fowler for a long time now. It's Reese Davis and. You know, they wrote now Pat McAfee's on it. You know, it just it rotates characters, but the show itself is its own entity. I agree with that. I think and right it's a Goliath, that. man. If you ever go out and see it live, it I've is. I've never seen it live. Even when it came to Texas, it's just so, it's so many people out there. I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. It's like a festival. Weigh in on that. Where does it rank? Is it the greatest sports television analysis program or pregame show we've ever seen? Oh, it's definitely up there in the conversation. It's definitely right there in the conversation. Can I give you one more fact before you get please, out of here real please, quick? Please, please, uh, Okay, here's another factoid. How about this with the Ravens? The Ravens, uh, <laughs> if you look at least time trailing in the NFL for the first 10 games of the season for the last 40 years, they are third in the least amount of time trailing through the first 10 games. Only 28 minutes and 46 seconds they've spent trailing. Only the 98 Broncos. And the Miami Dolphins of 1984, who were both 10-0, spent fewer minutes trailing through the first 10 games of the season in the last 40 years. Yeah, and they've blown three games. Exactly. <laughs> three games. They should, they, it's a great four. They should be like 10-0. All, the, all those other teams are 10-0 yeah, no. ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, they, 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 the Colts, Steelers, and then the Browns game on Sunday, they've blown them all. All right, we'll come back. Hook them up. One hour down, four to go on a Tuesday.